Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children 18 plus, you are tuned in to the Loan Officer Podcast with me, Dustin Owen, and my main man, JC, John Coleman. Dio, what is popping? It is Monday morning coming off at a fantastic weekend yeah. where we celebrated some awesome football victories and we celebrated young entrepreneurs. Sounds like UCF won. It sounds like UCF won. It sounds like Alabama lost. It sounds like Notre Dame beat Clemson. I know, I heard. Yes. Like, the only thing that could have gone better is potentially the Gators losing. Mm. But I'm not even a Gator hater because, like, why would you kick someone while they're down? Right. And they're playing Texas A&M. And that's one of those toss-up schools. It's like, ooh, can they both lose? Right. Anyway, this can, like, end in a 0-0 tie. That would be phenomenal. Collegiate rules. Yeah, but no, we had it all set up. Uh, my cousin came over, so Ben came over. Shout out, Ben. We love hanging out with Ben. And then what's really cool is shout out to Matt. So um, Matt Cangelosi and I went to high school together, as did my wife. So mm-hmm. all three of us went to high school together. Then Matt ended up marrying my wife's little sister. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of like cool. So his daughter had a gymnastics meet in Orlando. So he drove down on Saturday, and they stayed at the house. So because we had all this football on, by the way, he's a Florida State fan. Mm. They were playing Miami. They won, crushed the U, mm. crushed them. So I took the TV out of the bedroom. Mm. I took the TV off the back porch. And made a little. And yep. I set both of them up in the living room. Deals on Buffalo Wild Wings. We had we had the, the Owen family. Oh, we did it up. My wife made stuffed mushrooms. I made my world famous guacamole. World famous. I make some badass guac. World famous. Badass guac. Like, yeah. World. Yeah, you would think, like, I was from South America with the type of guacamole yeah. or Central America type of guacamole I can make. Good yeah, for you. It's badass. So we, we did that. I grilled hot dogs and brats and drank some White Claws and some sangria. That's where I'm out with your White Claws. Them shit's giving me heartburn. They do. They do. Trash. Yes. Yes. Yeah, you, you wake up the next morning and your teeth just feel grimy trash. from all that sugar. Yeah. No, nah, so, like, that was the Saturday. It was well, phenomenal. And, yes, UCF won. That was a great way to – to, to start, in fact, the worst thing that probably happened was I guess the Astros it, won. The Astros won the World Series Saturday night. Real talk, didn't even know that. Didn't even know. You were today years old? Today years old. I was today, like, oh, yes, the the, a, a, the World Series yes. is even going on, and the B. Tr- yeah. The Trastros. Oh yeah, a bunch God. of cheaters. But the I'm, cheaters won, whatever. Apparently, people still watch baseball. I don't know. I, I still watch baseball. It was, but it was made for a great Saturday. But then Sunday. Uh-oh. Hey, check out. If y'all are on YouTube right now. Thank you. Thank you. If you're not, you should jump on YouTube right now because we are displaying mm-hmm. as our centerpiece the book. Chaco Vela plays okay. tennis. And this really cool paperweight slash. Succulent? It is a succulent, yes. Um, art, I'd call it, that I purchased mm-hmm. because I attended Orlando Kid Biz. Yeah, you got to throw some applause up there. Yeah. So what I love about Kid Biz, Kids, Kids Biz, is A, my daughter participated, right? Mm-hmm. So like my favorite entrepreneur out there is an Owen. Her business is East Coast Jewelry. Check it out. It's on IG. It's on um, what's like Pinterest. not not Shopify, don't, Pinterest. Don't look at me for that. No? All right. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. But, but East Coast Jewelry, if you want some really cool – affordable bracelets yeah swaggy bracelets oh okay yeah swaggy bracelets then uh east coast jewelry's your jam so east coast jewelry was there representing mm-hmm. it was such a cool experience to watch my 14 year old just flex her entrepreneurial spirit 
Like to see her excitement the morning of. Really? She came down dressed really nice, really appropriate, and then watching her get set up. Right? And just imagine going to a craft fair. It was a craft fair for kids Mm -hmm. is what it was. But they really encourage these young entrepreneurs to do it all themselves. So, like, if you're watching us on YouTube right now, you see this. I call it rock art with a succulent. Right. I paid $5 for it. The nice. cutest thing, the little girl who makes them and was selling them is seven years old. That looks legit. Her parents had a, um, like, step stool that she stood on <laughs> so, to, to, yeah, to, to, yeah. to increase her stature. And that young lady stood there for hours. And when I walked up there, I spoke to her. She handled the money, like everything. She nice. answered my questions. Nice. Uh, this book, Chacavella, it's a mom-son team because Samir, it's his story, but Samir's in VPK. So I'm not sure that he could probably write and color most of the stuff that's in the book. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, what I loved is Samir was the lead in terms of when I asked questions, he answered them. No way. I asked questions about the book. They have other books that you can buy on Amazon. Hmm. So yeah, I ended up like dropping like $40 buying things from these young entrepreneurs. But um, it was such a cool experience. I just want to give a shout out to Orlando Kids Biz because there's these kids biz probably all throughout the country because it is a way to to spark the entrepreneurial spirit, to invest in in the youth's or our future's Mm -hmm. creativity. Um, so I promised a couple of the young entrepreneurs that I would actually feature them on my YouTube channel, which they're like, oh, my God, do you have a YouTube channel? I'm like, yeah, but don't worry about no, no. it. One like, day, kid, one day when you're growing up, it'll look back. I'm like, oh, my gosh, I remember that guy. Yeah. yeah. So so that was the weekend. How was your weekend? Did you find a car yet? No. And your car is done, done, right? I mean, it's done, done. But, yeah, if I want to get it fixed. So right now I was just going through and, like, looking at cars and trying to find one, and it's a pain in my ass. I don't envy you one bit, John Coleman. Well, you just bought a new one. I know. I hated the process. <laughs> I, I kicked that can down the curb over and over and over Did until it, finally my car died. And I'm like, Is it well, worth negotiating if it's a brand-new car? Like, should you be like, hey, man, like, give me 3000 offers? Just be like, just give me the just give me the car. I mean, look, if you read Never Split the Difference by Chris Voss. Did you, though? He, did you negotiate? I bought at a time where you couldn't negotiate. This was my negotiating tactic that I learned. Okay. If I bought at the time, if I bought a car off the lot, then they could increase the price over MSRP. Mm-hmm. But if I built the car, yes, they had to sell it to me for MSRP. There's that. So I built my car. I'm pretty positive that the dealership did everything they could mm-hmm. to make sure I didn't want to buy the car. Right, yeah. Like, oh, they'd call me and be like, oh, it's going to be another three or four weeks. I'm like, that's fine. That's fine. I'll wait. Yeah, I'll wait. Like, I mean, over and over and over. Like, the last thing they wanted was for me to actually buy the car. Right. Because if I bailed, then they have inventory and they could have sold the inventory for mm-hmm. probably 10 or 20% more. Right. So that was my hack. I'm not, this is my first, I'm 43 years old, my first new car I've ever owned. Mm. And the reason why I bought brand new is because it was cheaper than buying it certified yeah, pre-owned. Yeah, no, Normally, right. I'd buy something with 20,000, 30,000 yeah, miles right. on it certified pre-owned. Uh-huh. I mean, used but, cars be hell of expensive now. Correct. <laughs> and I think that's still the supply chain starting to unwind. Mm-hmm. But the supply chain needs to unwind. Wow, yeah. And the truth be told, within like driving my car for 3,000 miles, the battery blew up. That is true. Check, check his Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> I may have gone all Karen. I may have gone all Karen. Literally, like two or three days after I gave one of my childhood friends shit for being a Karen. Yeah, you on, became on, one. Oh, yeah, in a Just, heartbeat. Uh, oh. 
Oh, a Southwest Delta Frontier Airlines are probably the worst rental car companies. Right. I'm sure I've blasted budget before. Oh, it's fine. But hey, yeah. that that's a perfect segue into today's episode, which is how to run your business. Yes. So I'm going to pull inspiration from these young entrepreneurs, but it's also something I believe wholeheartedly in. Yeah. I think as parents, as mentors, as elder states people, or if you yourself is still in that somewhere stuck between high school and college part of life, I believe you can boil life in terms of like running a fiscally responsible household mm -hmm. and a business all the way down to the youth level of running a lemonade stand. So I want you to title this something along the lines, JC, of like, life is a lemonade stand, oh, I that. right? Life is a lemonade stand through the successful running of a lemonade stand, we can also find the most basic values and lessons of running our household and as well as running a business down the line, mm -hmm. right? Because our job, if we want to be fiscally responsible, if we say our job is being fiscally responsible, then our job is to make sure that we have more money coming in mm -hmm. than money going out. Right. And you can learn that with a lemonade stand. So I'm going to talk about how I taught my son how to run a lemonade stand. And then we can maybe discuss how that would correlate into your personal life mm -hmm. as well as into your business life. And this has a lot of meaning for those mortgage professionals who love to tune into us because their industry is going through a purge right now. Y'all, if you're not in the mortgage industry you need, and you have friends that are, go give them a hug. Yeah. Go give them a hug and buy them a drink. Why do they need you to buy them a drink? Well, although they made shit tons of money the previous two years, they probably spent it all. <laughs> and now they ain't got none. <laughs> And why do they need a hug? Because the next four months are going to be hellacious. And the previous nine months weren't the most fun. Mm. And people are asking me, like over the weekend, a buddy was asking me, hey, well, why is that? You guys are like, I see all the time you're closing loans. I say, yeah, we're closing loans. But are we closing loans profitably? Mm. Oh, it's a big difference. Like you may be selling cars, mm -hmm. but when, you're, when your used car lot goes out of business, well, were you selling cars profitably? Yeah. You, know, you may have been having a, Lemonade stand or a Amazon business yeah. or a hair salon, but were you doing so profitably? Oh man, your bar was always packed. What do you mean always, you're closing yeah, down your bar? Well, maybe it wasn't earning a profit. And no. too many times we put emphasis on sales and not enough emphasis on profit. Mm -hmm. We put an emphasis on revenue, but not on net revenue. Mm -hmm. So we want to discuss, we put emphasis on earnings. Yeah. Oh man, I W2'd X, Y, or Z. Hell yeah. I made this much money. I'm like, okay, how much did you save? How much did you invest? Huh? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, or how does that correlate to what you spent? And then you're like, oh, like, do you even know how much you spend? Hmm. And you're like, huh? Well, again, I'm going to teach y'all how to run a lemonade stand in hopes that you take these lessons and you learn how to run your household better or you learn how to run your business better. Right. So, can't remember the year, but we're going to guess it was roughly. 12 years ago. So let's call it 2010. Okay. The year was 2010. And my son said to me, he's like, dad, I want to have a lemonade stand. Word. And I said, let's do this. And then in deep inside, I'm like, I don't know if you know what you signed up for kid. Like, here yeah, dad, we go. I want a lemonade stand. Can you go to the store and buy it? And I'll just stand outside and make the money. Yeah. <laughs> and guess what? You didn't get that dad. Oh no. You were, you oh. were born into the wrong family. <laughs> You were born in the yeah, wrong family. The wrong one. Yeah, the family that gives you pasty pale skin and skinny legs, and your dad 
doesn't let shit go. Right. This is a great opportunity for me to teach a five-year-old something about being fiscally responsible. Let's go. So we didn't just drive to Publix and buy the crystal light packets oh. and mix that up into a plastic container and then pour that into a solo cup and sell it for 10 cents. Damn. Because that's not how, how business works. So I said, okay, you want to have a lemonade stand. What day are we going to have it? He looked at me like, huh? So we're going to have it on Monday, a Wednesday, a Friday, or a Saturday. We talked it through. We decided Saturday was the best day. That Monday through Friday, most of the people who were going to buy were people who lived in his grandparents' neighborhood because that's where we agreed to set it up. The reason why we agreed to set it up in his grandparents' neighborhood, they have a bigger neighborhood with much more community interaction than, than where we lived. Mm -hmm. At the time, we lived on a street that has 13 other homes. That wasn't necessarily the best spot right. to have a lemonade stand, right. but we could do it in his grandparents. We decided on Saturday because Saturday was the best time. So right there, I'm teaching him something about location and timing. Okay, location and timing is what he had to, had to learn. Cool. And then I said, well, how much are we gonna sell it for? Again, uh, a dollar. Okay, does a dollar make us money? Um. Yes, because we made a dollar. Every time we sell something, we make a dollar. Awesome. Guess what, kid? I'm going to teach you something about cost of goods sold. Because we first have to figure out how much money is going to go into us making the lemonade and how much time. Because mm. we want to make sure we at least get our money back and we also get paid for our time. This is us learning to run a business. Mm. Now, this is also going to correlate to working like being employees of other people and also running a household. Mm -hmm. Because when I want to determine whether or not I'm going to pay someone to mow my lawn or pay someone to wash my car, this is me talking to a five-year-old, by the way, <laughs> yeah. said I have to determine, A, do I have the money? And then is it a good use of my money? Because if I'm going to pay someone $100 to mow my lawn twice a, twice a month, is that a better use of my time if it only takes me two hours mm -hmm. a month to, to do my own lawn? Mm -hmm. At which point I save $100. Kind of getting all over the place. I'm going to get back on the lemonade stand. So we're trying to figure out how much we're going to we're, we're going to charge. But I had to make sure that if we're going to charge a dollar, that it was cost less than a dollar to make. Right. Also had to understand if you're going to charge a dollar and not 10 cents or 25 cents, what are people getting for their dollar? That quality better be good. I don't want that sugary shit. Well, I want it sugary, but I want it real. <laughs> right. So I want it real. Right. So, yeah. So we, we are going to charge $1 as long as we can make sure that our cost of goods mm -hmm. is less than a dollar. Then we're going to have to figure out how much do we need to sell in an hour in order to be worth our time. Mm. So I said, if you're going to charge someone a dollar instead of a quarter, then it needs to be four times as good. So then we need to figure out what is our product like. So we, we, we dug into this yeah. and we learned that we weren't going to do crystal light, although that was super cheap to make. Mm -hmm. We were going to actually have real lemons that we cut in half that we squeezed right there in front of them. Oh, wow. We had made some simple syrup and then we were going to load the simple syrup into a solo cup, at which point we could justify selling it for a mm dollar. -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we knew that our cost was, well, the solo cup was eight cents and... The, the, the lemons were essentially 39 cents, and then we had the ice, and then we had the sugar, and for the most part, I told them water was free. Right. I mean, yeah. it's not really free, yeah. but come at on, the dad. Time, yeah, come on, dad. At the time, I told them water was free. <laughs> okay. So we had figured out that it was costing us roughly 50 cents to make 
Therefore, we had to sell for a dollar. Right. So because our profit was 50 cents. Mm -hmm. But if we only sold four cups in an hour, that'd only be $2. And I was like, even for a five-year-old, I said, $2 an hour, you know, that's, that's not enough money. Right. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, well, in our country, we have what's called a minimum wage. So that's a minimum amount that we're going to pay someone. And we knew that minimum wage was $8 an hour. I said, so at a minimum, it's going to be $8 that, that we want to make for every hour that we're out here. Mm -hmm. And then, so he didn't know this math at five, so I did the math for him, but it was a good math exercise. I said, okay, well, how many cups do we need to sell yeah. at a 50 cent net profit in order to get our $8 an hour? Okay, we have to sell 16. Mm -hmm. Not bad. All right, so we know our numbers. Yeah, know your numbers. We knew know our, our numbers, we right. We knew our numbers, we had to sell 16. And we were doing all this like the weekend before. Mm -hmm. Right, because we had to do some taste testing, mm -hmm. right? We had to practice making it because we can't just show up on game day oh, you without being prepared. Oh, wow. You, you don't say. No, no. We, we had to know what we were doing. So, like, this was an exercise that, that we also did. It was it was a run through. It was like a dry run. Mm -hmm. And at a minimum, it was an at-bat, right? We were just trying to get at-bats, trying to work through our kinks. It's very much why restaurants will have soft openings right. and bars have soft openings. Right. Art galleries have, I mean, anyone has a soft opening because you want to be able to work to the kinks and you typically will invite your friends and your family yep. and your your confidants to the soft opening. Mm -hmm. It's why movies have premieres. Right. Right? You let, Let's get some audience feedback before we start distributing this to all of the AMCs and Regals throughout the United States because that could be costly. Mm. Yeah, right. There you so, go. Right? Yeah. This is all out of a lemonade stand with a five-year-old. Right. So once we figured out that we needed 16 cups for it to be worth our while, we had to learn something about sales and marketing. Uh-oh. How are people going to know about this, Jackson? Uh, uh, and, okay, we talked about it. I said, well, do you think it would make sense for us to spend Friday night walking the neighborhood, knocking on doors, and handing out flyers? At which point did that be a great idea? I said, okay, cool. Well, let's sit down and let's let's put together a flyer that you think would work. Mm -hmm. and, and he drew a picture of himself. Right. And we talked about the image. Like, right. hey, look, you, your company is an image. People love, especially adults, grown-ups, mm -hmm. love buying from little kids. So let's put your picture on there. Not my picture. It's not my lemonade stand. Right. I'm just an investor. <laughs> and let's tell him the, the time, the location, right? These are all things that I had to teach him, like the people who know how much. Mm -hmm. What time, what location, and to come see you. And I bet he door knocked 20 homes. Really? Yes. Yeah. Now, he did it because both my kids are weird. <laughs> they love to door knock. Like, I'm in sales. I would consider myself some kind of a quasi-entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. I hate door knocking. Yeah, that's how, yeah. I never liked having to raise money for my baseball team selling those candy bars. <laughs> yeah. I'd be like, Dad, can't you just take this to work? Yeah, and, like, leave put it in the break there? room or something. Yeah, no. I had to go knock. But my kids... My kids will fight over who gets to go door knock. Wow. So at five years old, my kid, who I wouldn't describe Jackson as being entrepreneurial. Like my daughter, I describe her as being entrepreneurial. He's She's more, been yeah. that way. He's engineerial. He's engineer. Yeah, he is an engineer. And I, I hope for him he finds his calling because it may be a cross between like computer science and business. Mm -hmm. Right? Because he will maybe be someone engineer-minded who can also successfully run run a business or present mm -hmm. but i wouldn't say that he is like this capitalist money driven <laughs> yeah. like his father and his sister right but anyhow he went and door knocked at five years old it was the coolest sweetest thing and sure as heck he sold 30 cups 
Oh. Yeah, he stole 30 cups. We were out there for like two hours. Uh, he thought it was fantastic. He said, I made $30. I'm like, put the brakes on. <laughs> so you Bob, yeah, I did. lose 30 bucks right here. Okay, so then we went back to our conversation. I said, how, how much how much do you how much do you owe the bank? He's like, the bank? I said, yeah, yeah mom how and much, dad. Yeah, how much do you owe me? I said, mom went to Publix, and mom bought all these supplies. Right. I said, so, so how much do you owe her back? And we tallied it up. And he owed mom $15. Okay. All right, cool. He's like, I made $15. I said, yeah, right. maybe. I said, but I have a consulting fee, homie. <laughs> like, yeah. like w- with, without me as your primary benefactor and your sponsor, yeah. I said, I want my cut. He said, well, what's your cut? I said, my cut's 20%. Jesus. And then we had to discuss, is my cut 20% of gross or net? I said, my cut's of gross. So he had to give me $6. Damn. Dang. Left him with nine. He was happy. He made $9. Then I reminded him, by the way, you made $9 for about two and a half hours of your time. You so made, real- You made below minimum wage. Yeah. But you still made money. And I said, Jackson, in life... Just like in business, it's not about what you do that first go around or that first attempt, right? It's about what what you become next at your next attempt. Right. So what can we learn from this? And it was really cool. He said, I still remember this like it was yesterday. He said, well, I learned I don't need to buy any more cups because I still have a bunch. <laughs> okay, yeah. I was, hey, cool. Right, we have inventory. Right, that's what you took away. That's yeah, awesome. We yeah, we have inventory. So like the next time... That means your cost of goods sold are going to be less right. because you've already pre-purchased all of those solo cups. Right. So, well, what else did you learn? And what I was trying to lead him to is I need to sell more. Well, how do you sell more? Right? We need to look at your location. We need to look at the time. Or how did you market market your, your product? Mm-hmm. How many people came back and bought more? Mm-hmm. By the way, it was like four. Really? Oh, four repeat? We made good lemonade. Good. Okay. We, we made really good lemonade, and someone came back by like an hour later and said, that was the best cup of lemonade I've had wow. in the longest time. I want another one. Like, literally stopped his car. Wow. Yeah. Okay. But, like, I think about that, and, and my my reason for wanting to talk about it honestly came from, from Kids Biz, right? Mm-hmm. And being there, there was like 24 or 25 tables mm-hmm. of, of children. And, you know, some were literally selling what they had – colored the weekend before right but then others you know and maybe the older kids more like my daughter had like literally put quality time and effort into making a product that they felt was marketable Mm -hmm. was priced accordingly because you better believe that i walked through her i said what are you selling your bracelets for three dollars five dollars eight dollars eight dollars was the keychain wow three dollars and five dollars were the bracelets and i'd say to her why is the keychain so expensive she said well my cost to to make it is more expensive because i actually have to buy the 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 metal clips mm. and they're three dollars a piece damn because she buys them from an american company so you buy the shit from taiwan <laughs> or china <laughs> yeah, that's and it's much cheaper i said but then you're less american right. um or maybe you're more american because now you're just a capitalist pig <laughs> like your father right. nonetheless but then i even quizzed her i said well how much how much does that bracelet cost your time to make like how quickly can you make those bracelets mm-hmm. and then how many do you need to sell and is that worth your hourly rate I said, because you enjoy making bracelets, so it's fun, it's therapeutic, yeah. it's, you're not on Snapchat while you're doing it, so it makes mom and dad very happy, mm-hmm. but your better ROI could be babysitting if you're just in it for the money. Mm. So like those are conversations that, that she and I had leading up to her experience, but 
it made me root this this weekend reminded me of how you can take a simple lemonade stand and teach this to fourth graders to five-year-olds 15-year-olds or 50-year-olds who are looking at ways to better themselves in both life and in business i try to say you can dumb everything down to the most basic concept of a lemonade stand how do you run a successful lemonade stand you first have to figure out what deems success. I'm looking at it as making money, making the most money for my time. Mm-hmm. From there, if I can teach a five-year-old, I don't know if I taught him, I showed him right. how to do it. I can then continuously doing that. Imagine if he did it when he was six, when he was seven, when he was eight, when he was nine, when he was 10. By the time he was 12 or 14, He's selling that formula to Simply Lemonade for like $1.2 billion. Nope, I'm going to tell you what he did do one time. Okay. So fast forward probably about five years. Mm-hmm. So now he's 10 or 11. He has a lemonade stand. He has his buddy working the lemonade stand. Uh-oh. Because he was out promoting the lemonade stand during a garage sale. Garage sale. Yeah, right. Yeah, neighborhood garage sale. Yeah. And I was like, damn, there you go. He's trying to level up, yeah. right? Even at 10, he had learned that he can sit there and, and he can he can talk to all the clients who come to him, or he told his buddy how to make the lemonade, st- uh, how yeah. to make the, the lemonade, and then he went around yeah. promoting, hey, come down to Rentham Court yeah. where we have a lemonade stand, only $1, best lemonade you've ever tasted. That's funny because- Money back it, guarantee. Yeah, sure. We'll do that. That's funny. Yeah, that's hilarious. No, but, but that's that's a true story, and that that was what I was sharing with 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 my wife when she was texting me. She's like, "Hey, how's kids biz going?" And I'm like, "I'm so proud of our daughter." It's a craft show. It's a craft fair, right? It's it's not like it's yeah, it's this massive Mall of America type. Yeah, it's not. The, it's not the convention center. It's not the convention center. But I said life is literally about experiences, and it's about building on those experiences. And I'm so happy that at 14, she wanted to do this because she had learned something today, right? She learned what she liked maybe during setup, what she didn't like during setup. She probably learned better ways to pack her um, inventory, Mm -hmm. better ways to to travel with it. Mm -hmm. She had opportunities to talk to people. She got feedback. You should have seen her with her journal. She was journaling what, what, what was sold. Right. So she knew like, hey, I sold five of these wow. because if those are the better sellers and she probably wants to make more of them. Look at that CRM. Or, for yeah, <laughs> yeah, or if those are the better sellers, maybe her consultant, i.e. dad, can say, hey, maybe you charge a dollar more. What would happen if you charge a dollar more? If everybody wants the bracelet that looks like X, mm-hmm. what if you made more of them and charged a dollar more? I asked her going into this is a cool question. I asked her. I said, what would you sell it all for? Everything. Everything. And she looked at me like deer in the headlights, which I would expect. And I said, you should know that number. You should know that number. If I'm a business owner, what's your business worth to you? If I came in today and said, I want the whole damn thing, what does that look like? Because I think you should know it. And then you should be able to rationalize to yourself why it's worth that. You know, if I went to Casey McElroy and I said, Casey, I want your book of business. I want your past clients. What's that worth to Casey? So worth a hundred grand? Is it 500 grand? 
Is it a million dollars? And then I have to ask me, ask myself if I'm Casey, what would somebody be willing to pay me for it? Mm. And then if you have a business that's not worth anything, how does that make you feel? <laughs> right? Why is your business not worth anything? What could you do to bring a tangible value to your business? Right? Because a lot of times when I'm buying a business, I'm buying a business because it has revenue that I want, it has clients that I want. Sometimes it just has assets, like actual equipment. Hey, look, your business isn't worth a whole lot to me, but I'll at least pay you for mm-hmm. what your equipment is worth. But anything else, maybe your books are backwards, they're dirty, they're in the red. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it's like, I'm going to need to re- revamp all of this, but your business to me is at least worth your assets. Right. Sometimes the business is only worth the person who's running it, at which point, John, if I'm buying your business and you are the business, I then need to find a way to negotiate for you to stay on. Right. So like if I'm going to buy Casey McElroy's book of business, I probably have to figure out a way for Casey to stay on for the next two years mm-hmm. because people work with Casey. They're not working with me. Right. And these are all lessons that are just brought up when you start talking about business in general. Why don't you think most business professionals don't, they don't, it sounds so simplistic, which it is, but they seem to stray from the path of the blocking and tackling, as you would say. Um, because for some people, it's not fun to analyze what what's working and what's not working because you have to focus on what's not working. I mean, who likes to get on the scale and see that it's seven pounds heavier than you were three weeks ago? Uh-oh. Very few people. Maybe teenage boys because they're trying to put on weight. Yeah. But very few of us like to get on the scale and see that. So we just say, well, if I don't get on the scale, I must have not lost weight. I'm like, no, I... I see that your belly's bulging. I can see that that shirt don't fit you anymore. Like, mm-hmm. like they just don't want to address mm-hmm. what's in front of them. So they don't do it. It's kind of like that whole out of sight, out of mind. If I put my head in the sand, then it must not really be going on. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, you put your head in the sand and the whole world is, is moving right past you and leaving you behind. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I look at that from a personal finance standpoint. I mean, personal finance is really, really easy. Take, take the lemonade stand. I need more money coming in than I did money going out in order for my lemonade stand to be successful. Then I had to factor in, was it worth my time? That was it. Those three things. If I'm running a successful household, do I have more money coming in than money going out? Its answer is no. Cool. Let's figure out why it's no. What do I maybe need to do? Well, let's first monitor where all the money is going. That means I have to track it. For the next 30 days, I have to track Where's my money going, right? It could be I went to Sonic, I went to Starbucks, I paid rent, I paid for Hulu, Netflix, Amazon Prime. Yeah. <laughs> okay, like you probably know where I'm going there. Maybe you don't need Hulu and Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, grocery store, oh, Uber Eats, Uber Eats, Uber Eats. Mm. Seriously? Seriously, Uber Eats is taking a Big Mac number three Happy Meal, whatever they sell at McDonald's anymore, and tripling the cost. Sounds great to me. Yeah. You're going to have gas, but like write it all down Mm -hmm. because somewhere on that list, you can make some cuts somewhere on that list. And then you have to look at the money coming in. Why do I have X amount of dollars coming in? Am I passing up on, on working overtime? Am I passing up Mm -hmm. on doing extra work? Do I need to take on a part-time job? Do I need to consider a career change? Right. Cause I have to focus on, why do I not have enough money coming in? We did a whole entire, I think, episode mm-hmm. once, like focus on earning, earning, 
not on saving. Right. It's way easier to save $1,000 a year or $1,000 a month if you're focused on making an extra $1,000 a month. If you're not focused on making an extra $1,000, it's really hard to save when you have limited control of what's coming in. The minute mm -hmm. you start controlling what's coming in, it makes it a lot easier. So same exact thing applies from my little lemonade stand analogy or the story I told, which that's what you have to start doing. People just don't do it. They just don't know their numbers. You gotta know your numbers. You gotta know where your money is going because there's certain things that you can't do without. You gotta pay the power bill. You gotta pay the mm -hmm. electric bill. You, you gotta pay for your housing, whether it's rent or mortgage. Those are three things you have to do. You don't need the lawn person. You don't need that, that massage subscription monthly. You don't need necessarily to do your own lawn, lawn care unless you can justify it. Like, well, how much is a new lawnmower? How much is a lawnmower gas? How much is an edger, weed whacker, blower? Mm -hmm. And if I bought all of that, A, can I afford it? Or if I can't afford it, will they let me finance it? Because technically when I have lawn care, I can finance it, hmm. right? It's a hundred bucks a month. Like <laughs> it's finance. The problem is after a year, I spent $1,200. After two years, 2,400. After three years, 3,600. What if I went out and dropped a thousand dollars on lawn equipment, hmm. right? Now, I can save that hundred bucks a month once I paid off the thousand dollars in lawn equipment. Hmm. Question for you. Yes. Specifically as it correlates to loan officers, how do loan officers spend, like spend their money for their business and like lose money? Are there loan officers that just spend like a lot of money and don't see the business come in? And like, how does that, what does that look like? Not individual loan officers, mortgage okay. branches held to the yes. Okay. Loan officers, it would be very difficult. Like if you are out buying leads through Zillow or bankrate.com or LendingTree and maybe you're spending three or $5,000 a month and not closing any loans, mm. you could potentially do it. Most loan officers don't spend enough money. Mm. Like they don't look at their business as a business and they don't invest in themselves, hmm. right? So most loan officers, I would coach them, you need to take 10% of your earnings and reinvest it back into your business, back into you. It could be you be getting coaching. It could be you going to a sales conference. Mm. It, it could be in um, some kind of a past client campaign. It could be taking realtors to, to lunch and to coffee, but you should dedicate 10% of your earnings into your business. They don't do enough of that. Now, mortgage companies, oh, it's real easy. Mortgage companies are spending more than they're making. Like, so where do they spend money? The number one cost of a mortgage company is on their sales staff. So what are they paying their loan officers? Mm. And then what are they paying their processors, their underwriters? What's their technology budget? What's their rent? Because hmm. that, that's all an expense. And then what's their gross profit margin on the loans they are doing? Right, because everybody starts off with a gross profit margin that they need to achieve in order to be successful. But then when you get into pricing wars, or you get in these competitive situations where there's a a total lack of, of volume to be had, but still a gluttony of originators out there, mm -hmm. then you have a lot of people fighting over a much smaller pie. And the minute that starts happening, what people do is they just start cutting their gross profit. They start mm -hmm. cutting their margin, we call it. Now, all of a sudden, you may celebrate the fact that your branch did six million or 60 million, mm -hmm. or hell, 600 million that Let, month. Let's go. But if you did it at a loss because your expenses were greater then, then your revenue, then you're not that good at business. That you're going to have to make changes. And if you don't make changes, you'll find yourself out of business pretty early, right? That goes for the quality of your product. Mm. 
as, as well, right? Like mm -hmm. the quality of your product isn't good. I mean, you're not giving good service. You're not closing loans on time. You're not making yourself accessible. Mm -hmm. Then you, you don't have the right products. Your pricing's not competitive. Doesn't does not have to be the best. Has to be competitive. Then you will find yourself out of business. But the easiest way to find yourself out of business is to start losing money. Mm. I mean, you start losing money, and there's only so much money to be had before you run out of it. Mm. Right? There's only so many times my son could have gone to us, asking us to front twenty, thirty dollars for a lemonade stand. <laughs> right. Before it's like, look, homie, you're not paying us back. Mom and I are out one hundred and twenty dollars, and. Love. At some point, yeah. we're going to cut you off. Right. That's what investors do into tech companies, right? And that's what's going to happen to the mortgage industry over the next 100 to 200 days. You just got companies out there that they may be closing loans and doing volume, but they're not doing enough loans. They're not doing enough volume where the loans and the volume that they're doing isn't at a great enough profit margin. They're not carrying their expenses. Hmm. So because they're not carrying or covering their expenses, they're going to be out of business. Makes sense. But it can all be taught, John the basics of a lemonade stand. Right. And that was the premise of, of today's show. I just want to talk about my son and his lemonade stand and how we all can learn from it. Yo, put me in contact with who made this paperweight because that's legit. Do you really I'm, like I'm that? I'm serious. That looks like you got it from TJ Maxx or HomeGoods or something. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And so I wish – this is so terrible, John, because the little girl um, – She needs business cards. Bad follow-up. No, no. <laughs> watch this. She had little pink bags that had her company's uh, name okay. on them. And she and, and I, I took the rock because she let me pick which one I wanted. She had like twenty or thirty. Of them. Okay. And I wanted to take it with me, and um, I just started walking back to like the table that yeah. I was sitting at, and I could see her like this little seven year old, right. like, sweet as can be. She's telling her mom like oh, I forgot to give him a bag. Oh. Uh, and I like I didn't want a bag. I'm like yeah. no, nah. like I already bought so much stuff. <laughs> Please, oh, yeah. That that day that I'm like I had like a little box already right. started. I'm like yeah. no, nah, I'm gonna put it in my box yeah. with the rest of the stuff that I bought. But if I had the bag, I could tell you right. what what her business name was because maybe she has an Etsy store. Yeah. And maybe you can hop on Etsy and buy it. But well, hey, she's going to tune into this when she's of age, probably 18, 19. And like, I remember she's going to track us down and send us some. I hope so. Wouldn't that be awesome? That's how the And, and her works. mom and dad were super engaged, which yeah. made me proud as a parent. Right. Like to see that they were engaged. I think they were even wearing like matching shirts that had like her oh, business no shit. on it. Okay. Oh yeah. It was it, it was it was really cool to see some of the parents and how engaged they were. Yeah, so grown ups, take this as a note. If you can't if you can't take any lessons and watch a five year old do it, then you need to do some real hard soul yeah. searching. Yeah. Nah, so um, hopefully people enjoyed listening as much as I enjoyed talking today. Yeah, that was a cool one. If you didn't, have good news for you. We have 276 <laughs> other episodes. Uh, I have very strong convictions that the bulk of them you will find value in. Look, we're here to entertain you. We're here to educate you. If we really hit it out of the park, we'll motivate you and inspire you all at the same time. Well said. We are the Loan Officer Podcast. This is everything you should have learned in school but didn't because it just wasn't taught. His name is John Coleman. My name is Dustin Owen. We are anywhere you can find podcasts. We are on YouTube, and we ask you, please follow us. Please, please like us. Please. Most importantly, share. Share us. If you notice, there weren't any ads today. There haven't been any ads, 277-plus <laughs> episodes. Yeah. We want to continue this whole no ad thing, but we can only do it if you continue to share us, mm -hmm. and we can watch our audience grow because we use the audience growth as the fuel to our fire yep. to keep on pushing out content. In mortgage professionals, we do have a website that is tailor-made for you. Think of having a badass branch manager, but on a website. There you go. Right? That's what we have. So if you already have a badass branch manager, now you have two. If your branch manager leaves a lot to be desired, I have good news for you. There's a fill-in 
you just have to visit tloponline.com. That's tloponline.com or theloanofficerpodcast.com. We have memberships for free. We have memberships that require a small $25 monthly donation. One's called freemium, one's called premium. We encourage you to check it out at a minimum. Check out the free shit. If you love it, then sign up for premium. With premium, we're going to give you access to special TLOP member-only calls with yours truly, Mm -hmm. as well as access to a message board. As well as premium content. As well as the premium content. (laughs) So his name is John Coleman. I'm Dustin Owen. That's all the time we have for you today, but we will catch you at the next Kids Biz Orlando. Uh Uh-oh. We'll have a kiosk set up. But we'll also catch you on the next episode. Peace. (laughs) 